Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Glad to be together with you this morning. I heard a story about a little boy who was very afraid of the dark. And uh, one night his mother asked him to go out on the back porch and bring in the broom for her. She said, Mom, it's dark out there. I'm afraid of the dark. And she said, sweetie, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. Jesus is there with you. The little boy looked at her and he said, you mean to tell me that, that Jesus is on the back porch? She said, well, I mean to tell you that Jesus is everywhere. And he's always ready to help you. He's always ready to give you a hand when you need it. The little boy thought about that for a minute. And finally walked over to the door. He cracked it open, peered out into the darkness and said, hey, Jesus, could you bring me the broom? We take a lot of comfort in the fact that we know that God is always with us, right? We take a lot of comfort in the fact that we know that that Jesus is always here, ready to help us whenever we have need. And yet, we stare into the darkness and nobody's handing us a broom. Now, what do you do when, when what you know doesn't exactly line up with what you're experiencing? What do you do when all those things that you have been taught don't exactly come with practical applications? And all the promises that the Bible makes, well, what good are they when life gets really hard? What do you do then? Well, I would suggest one thing you can do is read the book of James. This morning we are beginning a new sermon series and we're going to be working our way through the book of James. I'm calling it Faith That Works. And we're going to be diving into this little book that's almost at the very end of your New Testament, the book of James. It is one of the most practical books in all of the scriptures. It talks about how do I deal with my anger? It deals with how do I keep from putting my foot in my mouth all the time? How do I learn to say the right thing at the right time instead of the wrong thing all the time? Now, what do I do with relationships when they get really messy? What do I do when life gets hard? And this morning, that's where we're going to start. We're going to jump into this thing where, where James jumps into this thing. How do I get through something that seems unget-throughable? How do I get through something where it seems like it would be a lot easier to give in or to give up than to get through How do you keep going when things happen in your life and you look around and you think, hey, God's not behaving like I think God should be behaving. When life gets messy, complicated, chaotic, and stressful, how do you get through something that seems like it's unget-throughable? And just so you know, so this is the first lesson here in the book of James. I guess we ought to go ahead and identify who this man James was. He was not the apostle, the brother of John, James and John, sons of Zebedee. That's not the James who wrote this book. That James was beheaded by Herod in Acts chapter 12. Nor is he the other apostle named James, James the Less, son of Alphaeus. Actually, the name James was as popular in the first century as it is in the 21st century. Five different men in the Bible go by the name of James. And most scholars all agree that this particular James was actually the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. Same mother, different father. But this James, who wrote the book of James, would have been the oldest of Jesus' little brothers. 
Uh, later on, Paul would call this same James a pillar in the church in Jerusalem. And I think I ask this question every single time I talk about the writer James, but since we're starting the sermon series on James, I'm going to ask it one more time. What would it take for you to be convinced that your brother was the son of God? What would cause you to think, I think maybe my brother is the son of God? I've got two older brothers. I love them both. I respect them both. It's never crossed my mind <laughs> that one of my brothers might be the son of God. And by the way, there was a time when this James also doubted that his brother was the son of God. So what happened? What would have to happen for you to be convinced that your brother is the son of God? Well, maybe if he came back from the dead, right? Because we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus appeared to his brother James after the resurrection. Yeah, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? And so James begins his book this way. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Notice, James does not play the I'm the brother of Jesus card doesn't identify himself as the brother of Jesus. He identifies himself as a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies Jesus as the Christ, and he recognizes Jesus as his Lord. And he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, which gives us a little bit of an insight as to the story that James is writing into here. He's writing basically primarily to Jews, the 12 tribes who are scattered. Now, in the first century, the Jews believed that one of the clearest signs that God was going to establish his kingdom, one of the clearest signs that, that God was finally going to do what we've been waiting all this time for God to do would be those 12 tribes would be gathered. They would be brought back together. That Israel would be put back together. They would once again be one nation, under God, indivisible. But James isn't writing to a brought back together, all connected, everything's going great kind of church. He's writing to a community that is dispersed, that is scattered. And into that community, he makes some pretty incredible statements. Listen how he begins his letter. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it, and he doesn't say joy, just joy. He says, consider it pure joy, real, pure joy, when you, what? Face trials of many kinds. Does that statement bother anybody else besides me? Anybody else a little bit uncomfortable with that statement? Could you imagine telling somebody, well, I heard about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, you're filing for bankruptcy. I'm sure that's bringing you joy. <laughs> well, I saw your house burn down. I know you're happy about that. No. But notice James doesn't say, consider it pure joy if you face trials. He says, when you face trials, James is telling us right off the bat, pain is coming. Like it or not, ready or not, pain is coming. 
We shouldn't be shocked when our world gets rocked. And yet, we always are, aren't we? It always surprises us. But James makes it clear. There is no self-help recipe. There's no magic bullet here that's going to help you avoid or bypass pain and suffering. Pain is going to come. Suffering is going to come. So James is off to a really good start with his little book, right? It's a great way to start. I think what James probably could have used was a good editor. Because I think a good editor probably would have said, you might want to soften that first paragraph a little bit. If you want people to keep reading, you might want to back off just a little bit right off the bat. But of course, James isn't listening to an editor. He's listening to the Holy Spirit, which means we better listen to what James has to say. And James uses a word there in verse 2 that's really easy to pass over if you're not careful, and it's the word consider. James says, I want you to consider something. I want to give you maybe a new way of looking at something, Uh, a concept, an idea. I want you to think of this through maybe a different lens, a different framework. How do you interpret it? Which is important because what you believe about adversity goes a long way in how you will respond to that adversity. What you believe about what's going on in your life It goes a long way towards how you're going to respond to what's going on in your life. So James is saying, whenever you face adversity, whenever you face a trial, don't just immediately react with anger or frustration or despair. Consider that there might be something else going on here. Consider that there might be a different framework that you should be uh, examining, considering this through. It might lead to different options, might lead to a different outcome. Now, we read what James says right at the beginning of his book, and you sort of can't help but ask the question, so does God want us to struggle? I mean, should we be seeking out pain and suffering and heartache? Should we be be looking for those things? Is that what God wants? I don't think that's what James is saying at all. God doesn't want his people to suffer. But James does know that in the middle of that suffering, in the middle of that pain, it is possible to find the joy that Christians are promised to have. Remember in 2 Corinthians, um, I'll come back to that. Um, First, let me share a couple of different ways that James invites us to understand the struggles. Uh, This is the first one. Trials reveal your true character. James says, consider it joy when you go through a struggle because that struggle can reveal your true character. You know how a cardiologist decides how strong your heart is or how weak your heart is? The problem with your heart? He puts it under stress, doesn't he? Hey, I think I'm having problems with my heart. Good, I'll hook up some wires. You get on that treadmill and run as fast as you can. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. That's how, we're going to do, that's how we're going to find out the quality of the, the, your heart, the muscle. That's how we're going to find out what's wrong. We're going to put you under stress, and we're going to see how you respond. That's going to reveal the strength of your heart. This happens to us all the time spiritually. We get under stress. We get in, in trials and struggles, and those trials reveal things about us. 
Sometimes things that we're not real comfortable with. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You shout at them as they go by. Something that you probably wouldn't say to them if they were looking you in the eye. Something you probably wouldn't say if one of us was in the car with you. And you think to yourself, wow, where did that come from? A little bit of anger going on here. Somebody uh, gossips about you behind your back, so you gossip about them behind their back. You don't get the raise that you thought you deserved, so you decide, I'm just going to shut it down for a while. I'm just not going to do as much. I'm not going to be generous. And then you, you think, wow, <laughs> there's some greed going on here. There's a, there's a little bit of envy that's crept into my heart. So maybe the problem isn't so much out there as it is in here. Maybe the problem really starts in here. You know that relationship that, that, that is, you know, you're trying to salvage, it's going so wrong and it's gotten so messy? Well, maybe there's something going on in that that, that you need to address. Maybe there's something that you need to confess. Something that you need to forgive. Something that you need to learn. Those trials that we face, they don't just test us, they reveal us. They reveal who we are. Uh, Paul asked God three times to remove the thorn in his side. Remember that? Three times God said no. He finally tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Do you remember how Paul responded to God after God said, no, I'm not going to remove it. My grace is sufficient. Remember Paul's response? You probably don't. So I'm going to remind you. Paul says this, since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite happy about the thorn. Well, you weren't very happy those three times you asked God to remove it, were you, Paul? You weren't happy about it then. But now he says, okay, since I know it's all for Christ's good, I'm quite happy about the thorn and about insults and hardships, persecutions, difficulties. Why are you happy about that, Paul? Paul says, because I learned something. Those things taught me something. What did you learn, Paul? I learned that when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. Those struggles that Paul went through, they revealed something about himself. They made him, also, they, they made him stronger. Which leads me to the next observation about facing trials. According to James, our struggles actually should make us stronger. I'll read that verse again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Then he goes on in verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You might be looking at an older translation that says, produces perseverance. James says you gain something when you go through hard times that you wouldn't gain otherwise. You grow in ways that you would never have grown had it not been for that struggle. You're able to get through some things that you probably thought were ungetthroughable during that struggle. And you'll notice that James spends absolutely no time worrying about the source of the trial. He never talks at all about what's causing the problem. He just wants you to know that God's with you in the midst of the trial. Now sometimes trials get the best of us. Sometimes trials reveal the best in us. You think about 
those precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, they are worth infinitely more when they're refined, right? How do you refine precious metal? Fire, you melt it down, you, you separate all the, you know, the impurities. When it goes through fire, when it's melted down, that's when it becomes valuable, the most valuable. Listen, you need to hear this. Any faith that works will have gone through some meltdowns, okay? If you're looking for a faith that works, just go ahead and know, you're going to have to go through some meltdowns. If you're in the middle of a meltdown right now, you need to know, maybe God's refining me. Maybe God's doing something right now that couldn't be done unless I was in this particular situation. The thing about God is he's much more concerned about our character than he is our circumstances. God's not nearly as worried about what's going on around us as what's going on inside. Who are we becoming? What's our heart? That's why he, he allows us sometimes to struggle. Does he cause those struggles? No. But he allows us to struggle. Sometimes he allows us to fail. And some people look at that and say, well, that's proof that God doesn't care. Now I'm going through this terrible thing. That proves that God doesn't care. I would argue that in kind of a weird way, it actually shows that God does care. And I'm not even sure I can explain that. But God is working and willing to work through situations that you're going through to produce something in you that never would have happened otherwise. Several years ago, Martha and I have a very good friend. Um, haven't seen her in a while. None of you would know her. But we watched her go through a very difficult divorce. It was painful for everyone. But it was especially painful because the outcome didn't match the amount of work that this woman put in. I mean, all the prayers, all, all the effort, the ways that she tried to honor that relationship, the ways that she tried to, to better herself and improve that relationship, and still the marriage didn't last. And I remember her telling myself and my wife, I did everything right. I did everything right, and I have absolutely nothing to show for it. I married a Christian man. We went to church. I was faithful. We joined a small group. We prayed. Oh, boy, did we pray. Went to counseling. I did everything right. And I've got nothing to show for it. And kind of the interesting thing about that whole situation was she couldn't see it, but she was a stronger person having gone through that. I could see it. My wife could see it. She was a stronger person. She was much more open. She allowed herself to be much more vulnerable. She was more honest. She took her commitments much more seriously. She was kinder, having gone through that. She was incredibly gentle, especially with other women who were struggling. This woman kind of drew other women to her who were going through hard times. And the problem was that her hurt was so deep that that she couldn't see the way that that trial actually made her stronger. 
know, it's kind of fascinating when you talk to people about a time or a season in their life when they really felt like they grew. Very few people will talk, to, talk about an uh, achievement or some success. Most people, when they talk about a time when they really grew spiritually and emotionally, they won't point to a mountaintop. They'll point to a valley. Something very difficult that they went through. They'll say, that's when God was forming me. That's when God was teaching me something. You know, we, we know it looking back. In hindsight, we get it. We can never see it. We're in the middle of it. And we dream about happiness. But more times than not, we're formed through suffering. We, we grow through challenges and trials. That's why James says, consider it a joyful thing. God's not finished with you yet. Trials reveal your character. Trials make you stronger. And, and maybe most importantly, trials don't get the last word. Because of Jesus, your trial, your pain, your struggle, it does not get the last word. Whatever it is, no matter how long you've carried it, no matter how heavy it's become, there is a finish line. Look how James frames this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then verse 4. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. There's something else going on here, isn't there? There's something pretty deep happening in the middle of this trial. And again, James doesn't describe the finish line in terms of your circumstances. He doesn't say, don't worry, one day your marriage is going to be perfect. One day your job is going to be perfect. One day your bank account is going to be perfect. One day your kids are going to be perfect. He doesn't say any of that. What he says is, one day you are going to be perfect. Complete. Mature. Whole. Not lacking anything. There's something very important going on in the middle of our struggles. Something is at stake. We are at stake. You are at stake. Your heart. Your identity. You know, the main thing God wants from you isn't your achievements. Again, He wants our heart. He wants the person that we're becoming. And at the end of the day, that's what the trial is about. What's about you? Your heart, your life, your will. Your character, those things that you're taking from this life into the next, those are the things that matter. That's why God is so invested in us. Now, there's a promise embedded deep within us. We can't see it, and we don't always feel it. But God promises His presence and His protection. My daughter Maggie, her husband, uh, lived in Orlando when they had their first child, our first grandchild. One weekend, Martha and I were able to babysit Grayson, our little granddaughter. She was about a year old. Martha was in another part of the house, and I was playing with Grayson like men do. You know, I had her up on my shoulders, and I was holding on to her legs, and I'm bouncing her around, and I'm spinning, and I'm acting like I'm going to fall, and she's laughing, 
and I'm laughing, and I start to let go of her leg so I can reach back and grab her and, you know, take her off my shoulders. And as soon as I let go of her legs, she arched her back, and I dropped her. She fell off my shoulders. And I swiped my hand behind me, and somehow, somehow, I grabbed one foot. And in one motion, just swung her right back up and grabbed her like this. You know, her head just barely missed the ground, I'm sure. But I'm holding her like this. And she looks at me with her eyes like this, like, what is going on? And she started screaming. <laughs> I mean, just screaming. And I'm holding her tight, and I'm, I'm saying, Grayson, I have you. I still have you. It got scary there for a minute, didn't it? But I still have you. And I'm so glad that you can't tell your mother or big mama what just happened. (laughs) But I still have you. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face any kind of trial, because God still has you. He hasn't let go of you. He still has you. And you can trust Him. And you can count on Him. Again, we don't always see it. And we don't always feel it. But God has you. And we can ask Him for help. Maybe you've never actually asked God, you know, help me through this. Hey, this is tough, and I haven't really been thinking about it, but God, I could use some help right now. You need to be praying that prayer. And I don't know how and I don't know when God might answer that prayer, but I do know this. That pain that you're feeling in whatever relationship, it doesn't get the last word. And that issue you have with your finances, that doesn't get the last word. And that health issue that you're struggling with, that doesn't get the last word. How do I know that? Because of Jesus. Because of the suffering that Jesus went through, the ultimate suffering, because of the trial that Jesus faced, because of the cross. And I also know because of the promise that James makes. James chapter 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. You know what's the end of the trial if you stand the test? That crown of life. That's the promise. So if you're in the middle of something that seems like it's unget-throughable, just remember those trials, they reveal our true nature. They make us stronger, but they don't get the last word. God gets the last word. And God's last word is actually a promise. It's a crown of life. So if you're going through a struggle today, and most of us are going through some kind of struggle today, remember, God still has you. We're going to sing a song, a song of encouragement. If we can help you in any way as a church family, come and let us know. Just be standing while we sing.